Welcome to Cold Storage, where we stumble our way through some of comics' most important storylines, as well as some of our favorites. I am your host, Callie. And I am Spencer. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Um, this is our first episode. Um, for those of you that came over from our last podcast, Key Back Issue, uh, we're sorry that we failed on that one, And uh, but welcome to our new adventure. Yes. I hope that you find this to be as pleasurable to your eardrums as I do. So tonight's review is going to be Jack Kirby's OMAC, the One Man Army Corps. Yep, so we're going to just review the entire series. Uh, it wasn't long, it was only eight issues. And uh, let's just get a few things out of the way here, Callie. Okay. Um, me and Callie have a very um, special and sacred respect for Jack Kirby. I know that there's a lot of people that don't like him. Um, there's probably times in my life that I didn't really like his stuff. Um, but as you get um, older and more mature and realize uh, and smarter. Correct. Then you'll, you'll learn that Jack Kirby <laughs> is the god of comic books. Yes. In fact, um, Spencer and I and um, some of the old buddies from the Tales from the Parents Basement were this uh, podcast uh, pays respect to um, had like our top 10 favorite artists and I think Spencer's and I's number one and two were flip-flopped so mine was number one Darwin Cook number two Jack Kirby and Spencer's was number one Jack Kirby number two Dar Darwin Cook yep. and uh it and, and uh Jack Kirby again like Spencer said you know when I was younger I didn't have as I didn't quite understand um, I, I guess, you know how like things, uh, you have to adapt your taste to certain things. And I think that uh, for some people, he's an adapted taste. Mm -hmm. um, but once you acquire that, um, you, you see things in a different way. Um, and you realize the, the, how much of his influence really does go into almost every single artist that you come across. I don't think there's many artists that aren't influenced by Kirby. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think that he defines so much of what we know as comic books now. And even, like, stuff that you would never even think that would be influenced by Jack Kirby. Like, some of the indiest, most indie stuff that you can find is influenced by Jack Kirby. Um, I actually think that uh, 70s Jack Kirby was, like, basically somebody doing major comic books with an indie style. Like, it just, it was not straightforward. It's very impressionistic. His anatomy is not necessarily right, um, and it's very. He took liberties with, um, well, basically the human body. Like uh, you know, you'll see lines and stuff that are not supposed to be there. But it's it to me. It's just to make the picture appealing looking. Right, and and to make it so, uh, you know, he, all of his stuff is so exaggerated, and it's like pops out at you. It's it's so action packed, you know that it, like even some of the panels can't hold his artwork. You know, I mean, some of his stuff comes right out, out of the pages at you. And um, it's just, it, I, yeah, I, it's just incredible stuff. And if you um, if you have anything against Jack Kirby, I want you to push stop on the podcast. And I want you to go to your nearest body of water, be it an ocean or lake, and chuck <laughs> your damn phone in 
that big body of water. We don't like you. We don't want you to listen to our podcasts. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would love to have a debate with somebody. So please get in touch with us if you don't think that Jack Kirby's one of the most influential uh, comic book artists ever. And if you don't know who Jack Kirby is, um, I'm sorry, but you should um, go look him up. You probably know who Stan Lee is. Right. And that's a shame. shame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, in fact, this and this period of Kirby is by far my favorite. I think it's your favorite, too. Like the 70s Kirby stuff. Definitely. Yeah. It's all the stuff that he did for uh, DC and some of the Marvel stuff he did in the 70s, too, is definitely his best. I feel like his best work. Um, Yeah. I mean, like. Anyway, go ahead. So. Um, yeah, so I love this period of Kirby because this is where he just started going off the rails. Like, his stories were insane, and his art was insane. It was no longer, like, it, it was no longer about trying to make stuff look real. It was more about telling a story and immersing the reader into the story at this point. And it's just so, like, the line work is just so bold and so impressive. And I, I just love this stuff. So, so... This is um, in the '70s. He he's, he was from you know he worked most of his career at Marvel up to this point, um, and some other publishers like Fox and a few other things at, at the beginning of his career. But you know he made his name. Uh, well, actually, he didn't make his name at Marvel because Simon and Kirby were doing stuff way before Marvel. But um, with Stanley, he created some of the most uh, recognizable characters uh, ever. Um, but then he got frustrated with Marvel and he went over to DC. And uh, he uh, at DC he started out doing they they started him on these two magazine projects, um, Spirit World and uh, Crime uh, something. Yeah, what's the crime one? Um, uh, the, I forgot what it was. But Tales there was, of the Mob or uh, Tales of Crime or something like oh, that. Oh, in the days of the mob. There you go. Yeah. In days of the mob. Have the issue right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they started him out on those. They were these magazine size um, issues, and they just let Kirby do whatever he wanted in there, and they were amazing, dude. There was like the collages in there, um, different art styles. He was trying lots of different things, and they, they were so cool. So they started that, and they actually uh, DC published them, but under the name of. Uh, Hampshire Distribution um, but they were published by DC but it, they did it that way I don't know why if they didn't think that I mean clearly they thought they knew Kirby for who he was I don't know why they started him on those things but I, I love those issues you should seek them out they're not too expensive on eBay um, but so uh, from there um, then he started his fourth world stuff you may have heard of that stuff the New Gods Mr. Miracle Forever People and Jimmy Jimmy Olsen and Jimmy Olsen. Pal. yeah yeah so that's where Jimmy Olsen was where he got it all started right and that's where Dark Side was introduced um, and so he, you know they gave him this book that nobody really cared about and uh, I think he wanted to do it and uh, yeah he just took a Jimmy Olsen which was just like basically the stupid book where Jimmy Olsen got to, <laughs> got in trouble every issue and Superman came and saved him to like this massive universe like uh, ex- massive universe spanning storyline um, way too big for something like Jimmy Olsen uh, but uh, and then from there um, anyway from there he went and the fourth world stuff wasn't eventually wasn't clicking um, with everybody so they stopped doing that and that's the other thing this period of Jack Kirby um, this is where he gets really polarizing because 
he was doing everything on his own, right? The plots, right. the scripting, the writing, the editing. And uh, a lot of people, and, and, and even me, I think that Stan Lee was really good for Jack Kirby as far as being able to be accessible because um, Stan Lee could take Jack Kirby's big ideas and basically filter it down so that other people could under, everybody could understand it and the mass, mass populace of comic book readers would enjoy it. Um, but yeah, when, when Kirby has his own reigns, it got really polarizing because just his style of writing uh, was just uh, different and his ideas were so big that I don't think that he could necessarily even properly convey what he was uh, trying to say. Yeah, right? yeah. That he couldn't get everything in his head on, into the story, but he tried, and it makes it a little bit hard to read. But I mean, I love it. I I, I mostly I got into Jack Kirby because of the art, and it took me a long time to really read through the Fourth World stuff. Uh, but when I eventually started doing it, I really saw it for just like the grand ideas that they were. Like he wasn't. The, the prettiest writer you know it wasn't necessarily uh something that was easy to read but his ideas were just so big that it made it so great yeah it almost feels like uh like biblical you know the way yeah. you read it it's like a astro biblical um <clears throat> one of my my favorite things he did was commandy um where it's you know post post apocalyptic type world right so that was actually so so once the fourth world didn't work then that's then he, that's he started doing commandy and uh and uh well actually um not even that yet he was doing um like the demon first oh that's yeah um and and then um he started doing commandy after was that. he was he doing the demon and commandy at the same time uh you know the commandy came after okay. um, that so that was like the next wave so you had like the the really like no name books like spirit world and in the days of yeah. the mob then you had the fourth world and Mr. Miracle kind of spanned from the end of the fourth world into like the same time as he was doing the demon. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then from there, that's when he did Commandy and uh, and he was doing and the Our Fighting Forces, which is also known as like the Losers. Um, yes. And so that yeah, so that was the next wave. And then okay. after that, and then after that, then um, that's when he started doing um, OMAC, which is what we're going to review now. Yes. And this is the last thing he did for DC. You know what's sad to me, um, as, and we'll review this as we talk about this, we'll talk about this a little later too, but it seems like he was always cut short of what he really was trying to convey, mm-hmm. and everything, and for some reason, I don't know if it was the editors at the time that didn't agree with him or what, but it was almost like um, he they, he had to f- fulfill his contracts, but at the same time, like he had more story to tell, and he was always cut short, which which kind of saddens me. Yeah, well, quite honestly, like from a business perspective, I don't think he was very good for DC um, because of the fact that I think they had to, I, I think they had to pay him quite a bit to get him to come over mm-hmm. from Marvel. Yeah, I, I, I think I read at one point he was the highest paid uh, out of all of the artists. Um, so they're they're investing a lot into Kirby, and and they're just not getting the same amount back as they were getting, you know, from the other stories during the 70s you know right so so like i can kind of understand it and also he was just too honestly i think he was ahead of his time i think that looking at it now looking at the stuff he did it's a lot easier to understand how good it was than at the time it was coming oh, out. for sure i mean that's the other thing you look at like a lot of like classical artists 
and and you and you see how like they don't become popular until they pass away and like they're mm-hmm. gone for a few years and that's kind of like what's happened to Kirby is that I think at the time he wasn't respected and looked at as the way he is now because it's taken a while for the world to catch up to Kirby yeah I mean I, I think you're right in a sense but I mean I think everybody knew he was the king of comics you know like they, they gave him the, the moniker king Stanley gave him that name actually and and people did know that and especially artists all the artists knew that Kirby was the shit basically but um, but yeah I think that um, I don't know dude I still don't know if people your average person even understands today dude well that's the thing yeah it makes sense because there's a few people I've talked to and I'm like oh yeah you guys you know like talk about Silver Surfer for instance you know and I'm like oh yes Silver Surfer and they're like oh yeah part of the Fantastic Four right well didn't Stan Lee do all that well, yes, but do you know who Jack Kirby is? No. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, so, and then you have to explain to him, well, Jack Kirby basically created the Fantastic Four and Stan Lee helped. Yeah. Whereas everybody thinks it was Stan Lee. Anyway. Yeah. I, um, and, I'm a little biased. Yeah, basically, yeah, no, and, and dude, I think that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had, like, an awesome, I think they had an awesome thing going. Oh, they did. Them. Yeah, their, their minu- was it minutia or their... I don't know what the word is. Um, they they meld together very mashed well. Mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and uh, yeah, I think they were good for each other, and they both complemented each other. And you know, to Stanley's credit, for a long time I hated on Stanley, but to Stanley's credit, he always said Jack is the best there is. Like Stanley was probably. His two favorite comic creators were Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that order. Okay, <laughs> right. But like after Stanley, Jack Kirby was Stanley's favorite. Right. So, uh, and and still is probably. Um, so yeah, I mean you got to give him some credit there. But um, yeah, so Omac. So basically, um, he wanted to do. Well, actually, Commandy was actually fairly successful. That was actually out of all of his DC stuff. That his was the longest running yeah. one, and uh, and it was like a future story. So DC came to him and said, you know, let's have a. Do you want to do another future story? And originally they were thinking about doing a spinoff of Commandy, um, set in the same world. Oh, okay. But Jack Kirby didn't want to do it. He said, um, I'd love to do a future story, but um, I want to do something else. And he um, kind of conceived this story like seven or eight years before that. Um, at Marvel while he was at Marvel right mm-hmm. um, this yeah. was supposed to be a Captain America story like Captain America 2099 <laughs> if you will yep, yep. <laughs> yeah so it's supposed to be a futuristic <laughs> Captain America um, story uh, they never ended up using it but he kept the idea um, for OMAC and you can kind of tell that that it's a similar thing in fact the storyline is quite similar as far as how he becomes OMAC it's just this like wimpy kid um, who gets endowed with like superpowers, um, and and his moral code is a lot like that of like Captain America's. Um, one thing um, from the intro of this book, so the graphic novel or the collected edition, I guess. Um, there's an intro from Mark Evanier, who was uh, Kirby's assistant for a long time, and he uh, said something really cool about Kirby in the future. Um, he said. Uh, uh, Jack Kirby felt like he belonged in the future. Um, he thought in the future, often forgetting that the real world hadn't quite caught up to him and never would. And I think that's like the greatest like explanation of Kirby is like, 
he was always somewhere else. Like from everything I've heard and read is that he, his mind was always somewhere else. And he loved thinking about the future and what could happen. And quite often his futures were, um, something not good futures necessarily. Um, but that makes for better storylines. Oh, right? definitely. Yeah. Well, I think I also heard a story too, that Roz, his wife wouldn't even let him drive. Because he was always so aloof to what was going on around him at the time, and and his mind was always wandering to like, like you said, like thinking about the future and stuff. That he was too prone to getting in accidents, so she would always have to drive him around. Yeah, yep. He was always um, he's always thinking about stuff, and I think that's so cool. And you can totally tell because this is where like the Omac, this book in particular, is where it's just like so many ideas that like some of which have actually happened um oh yeah and then some of which haven't but even those ideas that haven't you you can see you're like holy cow that was kind of genius to think of something like that so um my history with kirby actually um starts with this book called phantom force which came out through image comics in the 90s that's where i first knew who jack kirby was but then uh i didn't really pay much attention to jack kirby for a lot of years until I was at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, um, and I was going through some bins, and I saw the OMAC number one there, and it was like the craziest cover. It was just like this dude with a mohawk throwing this box that has a woman inside of it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't know much about it, but I bought it there on the spot. I was like, dude, this is insane. I need to, I need to know about this book. And it was shortly after that they did... DC was doing the OMAC project. Do you remember oh, that? Oh yeah, one? yep. During and, the Fifty Two uh, thing. Yeah, and then uh, and that's where Batman was using a satellite to to spy on people. Brother Eye, uh-huh. um, which he took from you know this Kirby book. But so yeah, so I remember like thinking, I'm like, oh man, this OMAC book that I just bought, and then seeing this stuff and then being disappointed in the actual OMAC project story, but. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of this is the book that actually really got me into Jack Kirby as a creator. I knew who he was before, but I never was like a follower of Jack Kirby until I saw uh, Omac. Um, so basically, um, this book was uh, so there's eight issues. The first and the last issue were inked by Mike Royer, who's one of who's my favorite Kirby inker. Um, I think he's a lot of people's favorite because he sticks to Kirby, uh, Kirby style, um, and doesn't change too much. Uh, but all the middle issues were inked by um, D. Bruce Barry, who actually studied under Mike Royer, um, and I think they're great. I think uh, this whole all eight issues are inked really well, and I think that it makes sense that D. Bruce Barry inked him um, to, and tried to stay true to Kirby because he learned uh, from Mike, Mike Royer. Royer yeah. yeah. Yeah, as, and as you go through it, um, you look at some of Kirby's other artwork. Uh, you can tell that that, that them as inkers uh, really, like Spencer said, like kept to Kirby's style, uh, because there are other inkers out there that kind of took liberty um, at added lines or changed faces or whatnot of Kirby's, and really like kind of I don't want to say destroyed his artwork, but you could definitely tell that someone took their liberties with Kirby's artwork in the final project. Whereas this, you could definitely tell it's Kirby throughout. And yeah. uh, they really, um, I think they took real good care of Kirby's art as they went through it. Yep. I agree. So um, 
I think basically we can get into the story now. You cool. Wanna? Yeah. Um, let's not go like too detailed because we're reviewing nine issues or eight issues here. But yes. uh, let's just hit some of the major the major points of OMAC. Okay. So as Kelly mentioned early, oh, earlier, I think you did anyway, OMAC stands for One Man Army Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically the, the synopsis is he has been given these powers from a satellite um brother i brother i was created by what's it called the peace the peace corps or the no, peace, it's not peace corps. no it's the the peace the peace police nope what is it called Keep trying, dude. it's the gpa the global, global peace, peace agency, agency. thank yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> you get there eventually so the global peace agency is really funny because so they don't have any faces on they use this cosmetic spray uh-huh. And why do they use it? Because they don't want anyone to know like what race they are underneath. They want it's, they want to be identified as one group, not as like individual races. Yeah, they say we represent all nations, basically, right? right? Yeah. So, uh, so and this takes place in the far distant future, right? Um, when technology is out of control, um, the global peace agency is trying to basically keep global peace. But did you notice that every time these guys show up, they have to say what they do? They're yeah. Like we're the global peace agency. We use a cosmetic spray to hide our to, faces because to represent we represent all nation. nations. Yeah. yeah. They and say it like every time. It's seriously, they do. And, and and they also bring up too that um, they're like, I am agent number blah, blah, blah. And in fact, there's one point in here where I think one agent is going to be like a more of a main storyline character. And he ends up just like becoming like the other ones. Yeah. He's, he's like still a background type character. Dude, well, actually, what you just said uh-huh. is the... Is, I would say the major flaw in all of these issues because you'll see somebody who you think is going to be a major character and then you never see him again. Yeah. Yeah. Like it happens all the time, dude, in these issues. And, uh, and again, I would never knock Kirby. It, whatever Kirby did, if he drew a big piece of his turd in the toilet on one of these, (laughs) I would say that that is the greatest thing ever. So I'm not knocking Kirby. I just think that like, Again, this is Kirby trying to convey ideas, and he didn't feel like he needed to carry on these characters. You know what I mean? Like, I think that he was just trying to convey these big ideas, and there was a setting to do it, and he didn't care too much about character in these stories. Which is weird because, like, I mean, obviously he develops OMAC as the story goes on because this is about OMAC, but, but some other writers, I would venture to say that they would probably take some of these characters and make them more of a main plot line. Mm-hmm. Whereas he just kind of like use them as throwaway characters. Yeah. What is interesting too is um, this came out on the heels of Commandy and Commandy did have some characters that uh, hung around through each one of the issues and right. stuff that you see uh, again and you cared about them and stuff. And, and uh, but this, no dude, not really. They're, they're, they're from issue to issue. There isn't, Really, anybody other than Olmec who carries on? I, I, I mean, sometimes there'll be somebody at the end of one of the issues that'll show up in the first of the next one, like, like the Fidel Castro guy, Kafka. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, yeah, he'll show up at the end of one and the beginning of another one, and oh, and then I think the uh, the mob boss uh, guy, he showed up in like two of the issues. Yeah, I think he was like two issues, and then also the uh, issue seven and eight had the same do- evil doctor. Yeah. Right, but and, and yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, 
Like that's where it finished its strongest. Actually, that's where like where it finally started to get good is right before it like it got stopped. I mean, I yeah. love the whole thing, but where where it stopped, it was like amazing. So yeah, like Kirby didn't really focus on character at all in this, but but like I said, he did in Commandy. So I know he obviously he can do it. This was just basically a, a platform for him to just throw out all of his crazy ideas of what the future was going to be like. Right, and to be able to play with a futuristic Captain America in the DC world. Right. Uh, so one thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I, I don't know if you want to go through issue by issue or what, but um, at the beginning of each issue, um, it does. It always starts with the world that's coming, yeah. and then it talks about certain things. Um, so one thing that Spencer and I had brought up um, is that the, he actually, Kirby predicts virtual reality in one of the issues um and we'll get to that point here in a minute and then he also predicts the um what was the other thing he predicted i can't remember now all of a computer sudden. dating is that computer what dating about? that's what it was computer dating uh um, so, yeah so but his <laughs> version of computer dating is not what we have computer dating to him wasn't tinder it was like actually dating like fake women it was like like uh, dating robots basically right you know, robotic computers uh but yeah he was like kind of onto something which dude we may still not not even be too far from that that may still happen i definitely could i mean it, yeah it, dude once siri gets a little bit sexier i could see me dating her of course dude like and that's the thing is you you order a siri body and you stuff the the thing in the body <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, Kelly. <laughs> and then you date, you date the Siri, the Siri with a. So some, wait, you stuff the thing in the body before you date her? I, I would think at least a third date is before you gotta stuff. Hey, and you don't have to, you don't have to feed her anything either. Yeah, no, right? you don't yeah. even gotta feed her. You're right. <laughs> so, oh, okay, so um, Omac. Uh, his real name is Buddy Blank, mm-hmm. and that's a great name because he's supposed to be just like this nobody, right? Right. He's like a janitor, I think, at like the Gold Peace Agency. Nope. At the oh, Build-A-Friend. That's what it is, Build-A-Friend. Yeah. yeah, he's the janitor at the Build-A-Friend. Yeah, so Build-A-Friend is like the place that makes these like fake um, women, basically, to have sex with. They don't right. say that, but... But that's what... Eh, I mean, you think Kirby was that... He would produce that? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, dude, Kirby loves sex. All right, good, okay. Yeah. No, the, like, a lot of people don't know this about him, but, dude, he loves sex so much. He used to be able to have so much sex. Just, like, gobs and gobs of sex, okay? <laughs> so he build a friend's buddy Blank falls in love with one of them. And he's so stupid. I actually love that part of it, because he's, like, such a loser that he doesn't know that it's not a real woman, right? Like right. Like, you think that, like, in the future when this happens, especially if you're working at Build-A-Friend... You would know. You would know the difference between real people and her, but, um, and I think they think they even like uh, make fun of him. Uh, yeah, they do a little bit because they're like he fell in love with this girl, who who's just like a test one that walks around like the place uh, where they work, and yeah, he he loves her, and it turns out that she's and this is just the first issue. I actually love that because it starts out really tragic because basically he realized that all all of these feelings he had. Was for nothing because she was doesn't. All fake. She's not even real. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they actually come. Yeah, they come up and they call him like the company dummy, 
which is kind of like rude, but that's what they do. So these two guys grab him and uh, they they basically hold him at gunpoint, and uh, dude, they like touch his chest, and I don't know how this happened. Like I don't understand this part, but they hold him down. And then all of a sudden, he's imbued with this OMAC power from Brother Eye. So, so the reason that they hold him down is because he started to real. He found out. He overheard him talking or whatever. Or he saw it. He found out that they're actually weaponizing these builder friends. Oh, um, okay. That these women have bombs inside of them, and that that, that they want to send them um, to people and uh, basically kill them. That's um, right, because he says Lila is one of those deadly creatures. Yeah. yeah, and so like basically because he's found that out, they're gonna kill him, and they touch him, and then all of a sudden, um, he catches out of nowhere, fire. Yeah, all this energy is coming out of him. There's an eye that appears on his chest, and this is basically his uh, metamorphosis into Omac. Mm-hmm. And then he starts kicking the crap out of everyone. So that was the end of issue one. Now we're on to Mr. Big, Mr. Big part in my pants, and Mr. Big. Rents out an entire city for a carnival. Yeah, so he's basically the mob boss, but he wants to have like a big party, so he rents out a city. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking in my head, what's the logistics of that? Like, if you own a house, like, do you have to vacate it and you get a chunk of the money? Uh, like, oh, well, yeah. So it's he like pays a timeshare. He pays the rent to like a central location, and then you just get a chunk of the money. Right. To go on vacation somewhere. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, this kind of reminds me of uh, the movie The Purge, uh, where like they say one night a year you can do whatever you want, and basically that's what's going on here. But I think that that's the coolest idea to just like vacate a city. You're so rich and powerful that you can vacate a city to have a party. And everybody shows up, and they're like in clown costumes and Marilyn Monroe costumes and ape costumes and and. There's there's definitely like the party going on, but there's some other things at play here. Um, trying to steal the technology from Brother I, who is actually the what is it is the most advanced technological entity, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, so it's a satellite, and he can like literally talk with a satellite, right? So, um, and the satellite steps in to make him stronger when he needs to be, or which, faster. Or yeah, more, which yeah. is funny because like uh, sometimes. Omax in some serious trouble, and you're like, dude, where's Brother I yeah. right now, dude? Why is he and calling for help? There was this other part where uh, we'll get to later, but Omax is just walking, and he sees this like brick, and he wants to pick it up. <laughs> and so he says, "So the Brother I steps in. Hey, I can help you pick that up." It's like, what about last issue when he almost when Omax almost died? Why weren't you helping him? But right. you're helping just pick up this random brick that you don't even like. <laughs> He has no reason to be picking up. <laughs> yeah, so it's like oh, brother, or brother. I just—he's uh, too busy texting. He's kind of a dick, like Siri. Sometimes Siri's a dick, and like I'm talking to Siri, and I'll be in the middle of my sentence, and she'll be like, "I don't understand what you're saying." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's what Brother I is basically like. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But then, but then he does help out Omac when Omac really begs and pleads for his help. So yeah. um... Yeah, there's a big carnival going on, and there's these, uh, I think there's like four hitmen that are looking for Omac. And one's like a scuba guy, one's like a scarecrow, and then you got a clown, and you got a skeleton-looking dude. Um, they basically, they take down Omac, and then Brother I, or not Brother I, I'm sorry, Mr. Big, tries to get information from him. And then all of a sudden, Omac comes back to life. 
and like. Oh well, no, this is cool because they say it was a a simulated wound. That oh he had, yes, right? yes. Uh-huh. So like yeah. they they pretend he was dead, but basically Brother I came in and just simulated a wound there, and so, um, so he it was just fake. It was all trickery, right? Right. So he comes back. Yeah, he comes up. He's like, "Oh, it's great to be back," and then uh, Brother I steps in and they capture Mister Big. Um, so that way he doesn't get the plans to uh, Brother I. And uh, yeah, this is like um, we we had a part where we had some technical difficulties, so I can't remember if we said this before or it was the part that we lost. But um, oh no, this was before where we said that he doesn't have these characters just go away dude yeah so like yeah Yeah. so like i'm pretty sure you don't see mr big again no that's yeah i think that was it just for that one so this is a crime lord that's big enough to rich enough to rent out an entire city he he has an interest in completely bringing down omac and the whole like uh global peace agency but he just gets arrested and disappears yeah, never to come back. It's not like Gotham City where you arrest somebody and then they break out. They're back out of jail like in, a month later. Yeah, or right. a day later. Like this, they just go away. I like that. That's the one part of the future that I like is that, like, bad guys don't break out once they're arrested. They're arrested. They're arrested. Yeah, you, you never good. hear from them again. Yep. And then, uh, so the next uh, issue, uh, issue three. Uh, I know this is going long. We're sorry. Uh, but if you're still with us, that probably means that you're into it. So, if you're not into it, hang up now. Hang up the phone. And put it put it on speed dial. And... <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Okay. I just went with the whole phone thing. <laughs> so, um, so, this issue opens up with Omac with this gigantic, like, headgear on, right? Uh-huh. And it's got these... Big ass like uh, domes on the ears, meaning that he's got some sweet uh, sound going on. Yeah, sound system. And but it's covering his eyes, okay. And so this is, um, and you hear the global peace agency saying, "I hope that, I hope that Omac is enjoying his movie." <laughs> That's what I feel like they talk like. Why is the global peace agency letting Omac just like? watch a VR, <laughs> a virtual reality movie. I don't know, because yeah. they're like, yeah. It's like, doesn't they don't they have better things, things to do? do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they invested... Here's my other beef with this, Kirby. <laughs> Jack Kirby, if you're listening. Um, if you're listening from the seventh dimension of heaven Asgard. right now. Yes, Asgard. Um, so, basically, Buddy Blank didn't have a say in this. Like, Captain America signed up for this. Yeah, like, Buddy the Blank whole thing. screwed over. He was just, like, working, <laughs> mopping floors, and then this satellite <laughs> basically possessed his body. <coughs> he's possessed. And, in fact, it even says in there that, like, he's basically a different person. Oh, yeah, I he's totally changed. Kind of like yeah. Thor, I guess, in that way, right? Yeah. But he becomes a different person, And but it did say in the first ep- issue that he vaguely had some memories of buddy blanks yeah but like without his consent they just like possess his body right and, so, yeah and everybody's okay with it yeah including himself <laughs> yeah he's just like i don't remember who i used to be but i i yeah like you said he has vague yeah. memories he's just possessed dude like they didn't even like ask he, he was didn't... such a loser though dude it's like yeah. like he was, you... the world was better without buddy Blank, exactly right? yeah <laughs> i agree like i agree with the people that tried to like kill him because like it's like he's such a loser yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> but now he's awesome. So you're like, oh, I'm glad he's I stayed alive. So, so you were all of, you would have been one of those like security guards that wanted to shoot him. Oh, dude, yeah, him. totally, dude. Hey, loser, get over. We're here. gonna shoot you. Get over your blank, you nobody. Yeah. So anyway, um, so this is what's really cool is Kirby has so many like visions of the future, right? And the the intro to this uh, issue says, "What will movies be like in?" The world that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, actually. I love the world that's coming. Yeah. Like if I could have a T-shirt that just said "The, the world, world that's com- coming." Let's just make one. We should, dude. And we'll sell it to you guys free of charge. Free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, I I love that because like he could just say the future, right? Right. Or he could say like the world to come. That almost sounds easy, like easier to say, but the world that's coming sounds like a little bit awkward to say. But he sticks with it because it says it all in every issue, basically. Right. So what will movies be like in the world that's coming? Like, yeah, like you would think it'd be like, what will movies be like in the world to come or in the future, in the future. Yeah. Right. But the world that's coming, like, it's like the world. That's like he's like, genuinely like predicting it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I just love, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Um. So, so this is Kirby basically like thinking about. The future. And I love that because he's like sharing it with us. Right? Right. His visions. And he's like, what will movies be like? So, you know, Kirby's just like pooping one day, right? And yeah. he's just like thinking, <laughs> okay, i got to think about the future. I wonder what people will do when they go to the movies in the future. And then they'll be like, well, maybe they won't go to movies. Maybe they'll just have this headgear on, right? Right. So it says, story plots translated electronically and fed into the human brain. So it's actually more than... Um, VR, because this actually is like feeding like your like synapses in your brain. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Um, it says every viewer will, will be his own movie star. Every movie will be a personal experience. Technology will breed wonders, but it will also produce earth-shaking perils. The kind of world that kind of world will need. OMAC, One Man Army Corps. Yeah, so what's crazy about this is there's this one and like we talked about earlier, the computer dating one. They, they were so profound to me when I was reading this that he came up with this back in the 70s that I read this to my wife. My wife hates comics pretty much because of my love for them. Yeah, like it's, and she hates it's, America. What is she, I don't, maybe. I if don't you know. hate comics, you've got to hate America, dude. That's like the most... What if she loves thing. jazz? Okay, well, that makes up for it. Right, it like levels it out, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. So, um, <laughs> so I was so like... This is incredible that... This guy in the 70s came, like, he basically invented VR, dude. Before it, I mean. Uh, I don't know, dude. Let's do, let me do a quick. I know he search, didn't okay? technically invent it. Let me do a quick. But he did come up with the idea. And, and also, you know, the idea of <laughs> the computer dating. Like, it is so profound to me that, like, he thought of this back in the 70s. I just, I. Let's see right here. So, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> Kelly, um, before the 1960s, the exact origins of virtual reality are disputed, partly because of how difficult it's been to formulate a definition for the concept of alternate existence. Elements of virtual reality appeared <laughs> as early as the 1860s. Oh my gosh. <laughs> French avant-garde playwright uh, Antonin Art. 
Toad. I'm just coming up with this off the top of my mind, basically. Um, he, you just said Wikipedia. Says. Oh, I did. <laughs> he took uh, the view that illusion was not a distinct was not the view that illusion was not distinct distinct from reality, advocating that spectators at a play should suspend disbelief and regard the drama on stage as reality. That's bullcrap. Skip ahead. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. okay. So in the 1950s, Morton Hellig. Uh, wrote of an experience theater that should encompass all the senses in an effective manner. Yeah, basically this dude came way before Kirby, dude. <laughs> Take back what you said. Dude, Morton Helig is the father of virtual reality. Okay. Kirby thought of it 20 years after this dude. That says 50s to 70s. How do you know no, 50 it, to 70? Morton Helig wrote in the 1950s oh, of okay. experience. All right, okay. All right. So take it back, the Kirby invented. Take it back, but okay, <laughs> but Kirby. Anyway, I just thought it was incredible. Good for you, Morton Helig. I I appreciate you <laughs> coming up with this idea. So let's let's Wikipedia. Dude, in nineteen seventy, when was this? Nineteen. This was uh, seventy-two or three. Oh, early seventies. I'm pretty okay. sure. Let me look. Seventy-four. Okay, so in seventy-nine. Uh, no, in seventy-eight. Somebody actually made a crude virtual simulation of Aspen, Colorado, in which users could wander the streets in uh, one of three modes, summer, winter, and polygons. <laughs> no way. Does it say polygons? Yeah, dude. They can wander the street in one of three modes, summer, winter, <laughs> and polygons. Which one of these is not like the other? So, okay, but that was four years after Kirby made this. So you could say that without Kirby... They probably wouldn't have done that Aspen polygon thing. Version. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the winter, spring, and polygon versions. <laughs> and so Kirby had a hand in what we know today as virtual reality. Right. Um, one thing that's cool is they call it... Um, I love that Kirby came up with names for stuff. Like in the New Gods, what was that uh, bike thing that uh, Orion rides? The Astro Harness. Yeah, the Astro Harness. I love his names. And the virtual reality headset um, was called Mindphones. Mindphones. That's dope, right? Yeah, it is. Like, I'm kind of pissed phones, that they dude. don't call virtual reality Mindphones. They to totally should. Well, then they had to pay Jack Kirby, and Sam Lee wants to take his money. So. <laughs> when I first thought about Mindphones. Yeah, exactly. Excelsior. <laughs> Jack Kirby was working for DC, and I said, hey, Jack. What about this thing uh, I just came up with called mind phones? Uh, yeah, I don't think that Kurt, or Stanley invented mind phones, but he probably tried to take some of that. Glory. Oh, yeah, you know he would. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is gonna take. This is gonna be the longest episode, episode of all time. We may set a record for the longest podcast episode. <laughs> so bear with us. <laughs> okay. So the next um, part of the same. It's part of the same uh, issue, but chapter two. In the world that's coming, even lost memories can be re uh, replaced by all the necessities of new life. What, what began as computer dating will flower into complete packaged living. Computers will pick ideal families and backgrounds for those who lack the total hu human relationships. The peace agency will do this for OMAC as it also finds him a hundred thousand foes. We'll sit back. Why don't you just read the whole issue, dude? What? More visitors? <laughs> no, you gotta do it in Stan Lee's voice. What? More visitors? Okay. No. Um, yeah, dude, package living. So basically, they give 
Buddy Blank, who doesn't have a family, they give him these two cute old ass parents, right? Yeah. And they're just like, dude, I would love that. Like, they, but they the didn't take is, your family for you. There would be no Batman if this existed, right? That's true. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, here, um, we invent, we came up with these new parents for you. Okay. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> We're Mr. and Mrs. Barker. We're your parents, basically. Um, this is the only time that there's a female global peace agency. Yeah, I've never seen one before. Yeah, yeah before that. Crazy. Yeah. So let's kind of speed this up. So man. then they go to Castro. They find Castro. Not and then Castro, he... Kafka. Kafka. But he's he... drawn to look like Castro. So he flies in. Castro oil. With um, a mix of like the Mobius chair and Modox thing. <laughs> And he's yeah. flying around on this thing. I don't know what That's the only called. time you see it, actually. Yeah. Like, he never rides this thing again, dude. But he's got well, this, Well, because it gets like, disintegrated. Yeah, but, like... Gas. Dude, you can't make a new one? I'm sure they could. He, There's a mobile After airport. this, he gets a golf cart. Golf cart. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the golf cart, Spencer. Yeah, so they got this golf cart that's uh, <laughs> equipped with guns. And it's, it's heavily armored. It's like, uh, basically, like, the Batman Begins Batmobile... But in a golf cart, basically, right? Right, yeah. Basically. Um, yeah, so, dude, the Curbmeister, dude, came up with the craziest stuff, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, here's that part right here where, so, this tank's about to run Omak over, and he's like, I can't do it, and he's, like, struggling so hard, and Brother Eye is nowhere to be found, and then finally he, like, begs for help, and then Brother Eye... Well, imp- that's the cliffhanger of that issue, right? Oh, and oops. Then- Spoiler warning. Spoiler alert. <laughs> a warning. Spoiler <laughs> alarming. Um, yeah, so that's the cliffhanger. It's like, dude, he's dead, right? Like, right, if I'm getting this, die. I'm like, dude, issue number three, Omak's gonna die. Yep. I, I'm ready to cancel my subscription because it's not... They're not gonna do another issue. Right. Lo and behold, he calls up on Brother Eye... Dude, I love that. That's, That's so awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, dude, the art in the the first page of the fourth issue is just so. It's just an up close view of of uh, Omac, and dude, it's not like anything anybody else would do. Like especially in the seventies, this is the time where like Neil Adams was like starting to do like realistic looking like, yeah, stuff. Just... Right, he was like really like the art trend was focusing towards realistic, and you're doing heroin now. Well, because Neil Adams drew Speedy doing, and I'm your Speedy. Oh, dude, that was too. I'm your Speedy. No, thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, You're Speedy to my green arrow. Um, you know what's cool though? Like, so this this um, Omac shows him later. He's like zoomed in, and it's like almost the same image, not quite the same. Um, but Brother Eye's looking at him, and he's like, "Help me!" And he like helps him lift the tank, dude, and he flips it over. Yep. Yeah. So like. Why they never really like said can brother I only do so much stuff like Omak should never get in trouble if brother I has He's unlimited power him. right like yeah. maybe he has to recharge his batteries or something but I actually do like that it's kind of cool that there's like a satellite that will like step in and help him out he has to kind of like bail him and there's a super court and then like they basically do court on TV you gotta talk oh sorry they do court on TV in front of the global peace agency and uh, um, then uh, basically Kafka created this creature to find him wherever he's at. And this thing can shoot all different types of elements from its body. And um, Omak 
uses uh, Brother Eye's power along with his own strength to defeat this like uh, engineered biological machinery. Yeah, so this monster, they said it was like has skin like plastic, right? Right. And then um, he... You don't know what he is. He said he's like an octopus. He has like all these arms. And uh, you know Kirby's all about the monsters, right? Right. So this monster, did you already say this? It eats matter and spits energy. I have not said... No, I haven't. Yeah. Nope. I stepped away for a second. Yes. Behind the scenes, I had to go pee. Um, but uh, yeah, so it eats matter and so it could like eat mountains. It was like destroying mountains and then it spits out the energy and it's what well, it's three things on its head become it like it's like a hydrogen bomb basically yeah and you want to know how Olmec just finally destroyed it he just broke one of its horns off <laughs> yeah that's all he does yeah and you never see the monster again <laughs> it like goes away after that we really do love kirby i'm telling you we i'm making fun of it because i just don't understand it okay that's why i'm making fun of it is this gigantic monster? It literally takes two pages to destroy him by taking his horn off. But then, it, well, the way he explains it is that like once it ripped one of the horns off, it like lost its sight basically, and it's like slamming into stuff and like flies off. Um. Yeah, but dude, he just invented that at the very last page. He's like, I I gotta come I'm with close an to the end of my. So, um, one thing that intro to this book said is that um Kirby was under contract with DC mm-hmm. to do. 15 pages per week, dude. That's insane. Right? It's crazy. Dude, that's uh, more than two pages a day. A really good artist today can maybe do one page a day. And that's like that's like some of the fastest artists. Most people don't. Most people that's do crazy. like one page every two days. He was doing 15 pages. Like, like if he didn't come up with 15 pages... Like, he was fired. He was in violation of the contract. So, he had to do 15 pages per week. That's insane, right? That is So, like, nuts. some of this some of this stuff in OMAC, I really, like, was reading it with that in mind. And I'm just like, okay, so Kirby, like, he's basically writing some of this stuff as he's drawing the pages. Right. Like, which he was used to anyway at Marvel, right? Because, like, Stanley would say, hey, can we have a story about a baker who becomes a... Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> a gigolo. Yeah. And then so yeah, and then Kirby would come up with this whole plot as he was drawing it. And so like he was no stranger to that, but uh yeah, like some of the stuff like this where it's like this big menace comes and then in two pages he he's, like takes him out. Yeah. <laughs> Makes he's me done. think that Kirby was just like contract so, like, Yeah, so like focused on just getting the issue done. And one thing too is I noticed um Almost every one of these pages in all of these issues has either five panels or six panels or sometimes just like one, right? If it's yeah. a splash page. But like almost everything has like five or six panels and it's uh if you're busting trying to bust out that many pages, I, I can see why you do that. Yeah. So the next issue, um issue five, right? Is what we're on? Yeah. This reminds me, so I started reading this one, and it reminded me a lot of like an old um, Twilight Zone where um, these old people go to this um, place, and they can basically buy a young body, and they can be put into this body. Oh, really? Yeah. That wasn't a Twilight Zone? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Kirby, you're saying Kirby stole this. 
Or they stole it from him because... No, nope. Twilight Zone was like 60s. It was, yeah, 50s, yep. 60s. yeah, so Twilight Zone, these two old people go in and they can only afford... So basically the man and the man and woman pick out two young bodies, a man and a, girl, a boy and a girl or whatever, man and a woman, uh, just like in their 20s. And uh, <clears throat> they can only afford one body, not both. And so the 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 man gives up his opportunity to let the woman have her young body again. <clears throat> um, but they can do like payments and stuff. It's weird, but it's it's a cool, it's a really cool episode of Twilight Zone. But basically, when I was reading this one, where it's the um, the new bodies for old, it reminded me a lot of that Twilight Zone episode, um, except for obviously the evil henchmen and the the half naked naked people um, struggling in this bondage scene. Um, yeah, so um, this is pretty cool. So if you wanted to buy a human. For you to put your brain into it costs seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, which seems reasonable for a human. Yeah, it does right? totally. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, basically, these people are stealing. Is this the crime cabal? Is this? Yeah, this is the, the crime, crime cabal. cabal. Yep. yep. So they're they're kidnapping people, and old rich people get to buy these people in order to transfer their brains into these bodies. Right. That's cool, dude. It's like a really cool concept. A lot of these concepts that he comes up with in each issue could be concepts for an entire storyline. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, the concept gets picked up in the issue, and then it, it gets dropped uh, every issue. But, uh, yeah, so is this the one where the godmother's in, or is she in the next issue? I think she's in the next one. Okay, yeah, you're right. I, um, but they carry this concept over into the uh, godmother um issue right but uh yeah basically they're trying to stop this um this whole um thing of basically it's human trafficking kirby invented human trafficking he must have yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh uh yeah so um that was kind of a cool little thing oh yeah so godmother shows up at the end of this issue right yeah dude she's like jacked looking man oh i know she's ugly yeah she's but she wants to get a she wants to get a like a hot looking body, right? So right. shows uh, her chicken out like a couple of like these little hot hotties to Sweet. figure out which body she looks wants. Looks like Char- Charlie's Angels, yep. basically. And she's gross, dude. And the first time it shows her face up close, she calls somebody a toad, which is really funny because she, she looks is, like a toad. Yeah, she's right? nasty. So she's like, Toad, you know my position in the crime cabal. Uh, I can have you hit. I can have that body for nothing. But and she ends up paying two million dollars to get this like really I mean, hot body. Yes. Oh, and we forgot to say that he's hooked up with a former crime cabal guy. Well, this. that's at this point he does hook up because because before that he's not with him, and then um, he like basically like they're at this target practice thing, and he like questions the guy. And he's like, "Come with me." The guy goes with him and he discovers that it's his girlfriend that they're using as mm. one of the young bodies. So he gets pissed. And he right. helps Omak get through this, like, uh, like what is it, subway station or subway of, like, zombie, uh, like, creature things. Yeah, except for they're called, uh, what are they called? Um, the Unmen. No, I'm kidding. No, they're called uh, Sickies. Sickies. Yeah, so these subways are infested with these zombie-like creatures called Sickies. And they became this way because the Crime Cabal... Uh, makes them take hormones um to 
basically turn them into zombies and protect the Crime Cabal's location, basically. So they, um, they steal people for them? But they pay these guys, though. They, yeah. They, they said, like, we're going to fill them with these hormones, turn them into these monsters, but then they get money. But if you're, like, a monster dude with what tentacles, money? with tentacles, because there's some tentacle yeah. people, how are you going to go spend that money? Are you going to go to, like, Winco and, like, go grocery shopping with tentacles? No, dude. They'll kick you out. Yeah, you'll get... Winco hates zombies. Winco hates different people altogether. <laughs> no, no, that hasn't been verified, but... Um, uh, yeah, so I, I like where Kirby's going with this stuff. It's pretty imaginative and pretty crazy, right? Yep. Um, and that's a pretty big story plot. Like, um, this this issue seems to last longer than almost the rest of the whole series. So, what's interesting, what issue were you in? Seven or six? No, six. Okay. Five or six? Yeah, so six. This is where, like, OMAC, remember, it only goes to issue eight. Yeah. This is where OMAC is starting to ramp up, dude. Like, uh, yeah. Right with this issue. Like, just gets really good right you're here. starting to find out about the crime, this crime cabal thing that exists. It's starting to be a bigger, there's a bigger thing going on. This is where you're really like, because like they brought in villains before, like the Mr. Big, right? But right. you can't really talk at all about like the overall like uh, plans, really. He just wanted to take out uh, Brother Eye and OMAC. But now we're seeing that there's this whole like, underground mob basically um that uh, that mr big even could be part of right yeah i'm sure he was but yeah they didn't really get into it you know what i mean right um one thing we should mention here is the cover to issue six um has him in the subway saving a girl um it's a really awesome drawing um but if you look they're at platform number 52 Yes. Right? And I thought that was interesting, as so did you. There's about 52 52s on here. Yes. Okay, 52 is written all over this. It costs 25 cents, which is the reverse of 52. Dude. I think the Illuminati is at work here. It must be. <laughs> um, no, but... Well, like, hold on. Is D the fifth letter? <laughs> yep. And C is the second letter? Yep. <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> oh, crap. No, C is the third. <laughs> We just stumbled on to something huge. You heard it here first, you guys. Go out and contact your congressman and tell him that DC is the crime cabal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it's interesting, though, but just because there's 52 all over this and 52 is a big deal with DC, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, when they had the 52 series, which was good, dude. I miss those days of DC, man. I know. Gosh, those are the good old days, yeah. right? Yeah, Before they sold out. Um who they sell out to? Themselves. <laughs> they sold out to Jeff Johns. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think it's a coincidence, but it's kind of a crazy coincidence. Yeah, right? it is. It's very okay. interesting. All right, so. So now we move on to Dr. Scuba. I think that's his name. I think oh, sh- Scuba yeah. Lord. Dr. Scuba. <laughs> okay. Dr. Scuba. And um, so the, this lake is completely barren, and he's got these weird, like, skis on his feet, and he's walking through the bottom. He comes across a th- something that looks like a mother box almost. Yeah, a little bit. But it, it's so heavy. He but here's the deal, though. I was talking about this earlier. It's like, why didn't he just walk past it? I don't understand that. It's why, just... he stopped and picked it up? Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, he, and not only that, he calls upon this higher power to help him pick this thing up. Like, dude. Just keep walking. Yeah, just leave it alone. But no, he picks it up and it's like the heaviest thing ever, dude. It's heavier than Mjolnir, dude, basically, right? So basically you're saying Omaka pick up Mjolnir? Oh, for sure, dude. Oh, for sure. 
Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Good. Good. Thing. Um. So, this thing is so heavy, and he calls upon Brother I. <laughs> Brother I, help me. Do you know why it's so heavy, Spencer? You want to know why? Because yeah. there's a freaking lake in it. So this thing that looks like it's probably like a nine by nine by six, nine by four, six by four. I don't know. It has a whole entire lake in it. Yeah. It's so dense. It's like a super sponge, dude. I, yeah. I love this, actually. This is where Kirby is such a genius, dude. Right. Because um, he came up with this idea for a sponge, but he, it's not a sponge. It actually like breaks down the molecules of this water and absorbs the molecules. Um, and it's this super dense block that holds an ocean in it. And Dr. Scuba has been dropping these sponges in different big large bodies of water basically to hold water ransom so he people wants have to, to buy it yeah, yeah so they have to go through him to get the money right and and dr scuba um has these big like metal like robot gloves that allow him to pick it up right yeah it gives him the strength to lift it on yeah. the bottom of ship i love this and this like i said this is where it's getting cool now you have an actual like evil villain you know to fight I mean? against yeah. yeah yeah it's awesome and then Omac is in a tanning booth so we know that Kirby created tanning booths <laughs> um, <laughs> so then Omac um, he, he needs to go find out like what's going on with this water absorption thing so he flies out to this island and he realizes that it's like not real it's like a, it's like st- it's not stone it's like uh, metal and glass and uh, he lands on it and he's about to go in and Dr. Scuba hits him with this ray that turns him back into that loser, Buddy Blank. Oh, I hate Buddy Blank, dude. I, I would, like, wedge you the crap out of him, man. Oh, yeah, he's such a loser. He deserves every little piece of crap he gets. Um, Yeah, but Buddy Blank is, like, totally clueless to the previous six issues, right? Right, exactly. Seven issues. He's like, yeah. where am I? Hello, I'm Buddy Blank. Will somebody help me? Help me. Yeah. He's I'm like, the biggest loser in the world. Can somebody help me? <laughs> but something you look at too, like I thought it was interesting. He looks kind of like Billy Batson. Like his clothing is red and blue, like the pants. Mm. And he just turned from Omac into Buddy Blank. Mm. So I thought it was like a good little like homage or like a Omac, if you will. Oh yes, I will. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that makes sense. But it's interesting because I was as I was reading this, I was like. They just totally took over his body, and they've never looked back. But now is where they look back, and now is where he becomes back to himself again. And yeah. now they're having to reckon with the fact that they like possess this guy's body. So issue number that's where issue seven ends. Issue eight's about to start. This is the last Omac issue uh, that Kirby did, and uh, the cover is done by Joe Kubert. Um, interestingly enough, Joe Kubert did started doing covers for Commandy as well for, for Kirby, and then he ended up taking over some of the art duties, uh, like the actual interiors um, as well. Um, but it is a beautiful cover. Uh, oh, it's a great cover. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so this is the last issue, and I'm just gonna tell you now that they didn't. Kirby wasn't planning on ending it here. But he ended. He did end up going back to Marvel after this issue. This was the last issue he did for DC before he came back again in the 80s and did some stuff for him again. But um, 
he was planning on going with the series and then obviously contract stuff or whatever came up and didn't do it. And you can totally tell. This has been building up to something huge. Like, dude, they did the same thing with the New Gods. Yeah. They, they let Kirby come back in the 80s to do Hunger Dogs. But even that, um, he still didn't get to tie everything up in that. And uh, a lot of people say that this year, that uh, graphic novel he did wasn't very good. But this was like never like... Resolved, Resolved ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> basically, we get a we get a view inside of Brother I, and he's he's built another body of Omac for Buddy Blank, and he's about to rocket it down to Buddy Blank, and then Buddy Blank gets turned into like uh, basically invisible woman and falls through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> he's stuck in this like container, and uh, they show how they break down, like they made this thing. Anyway. Uh, Buddy Blank's being walked through Dr. Scuba's place, and then, like, uh, Brother I starts, like, messing with all this stuff magnetically and trying to kill Dr. Scuba. Dr. Scuba's like, I'm not having this. And he launches uh, rocks at Brother I, and boom, blows up Brother I, and it's over. Yeah, so um, you simplified it a little bit. I did. I'm going to say right now that out of all the issues this is by far my favorite issue dude and the reason why is because all the other stuff is so um there's no real pacing to the stories right. that he did before it's just like every page is like something else he's bumping into and this, that that was a real trademark of Kirby stuff especially um with during this period when he's doing Commandy it's the same thing it's just like Commandy is like every three pages He's bumping into some new menace that he has to overcome, and then he goes on to the next thing three pages later, and that's what this felt like a lot until you get here until you get to this. But this one is just like it, it takes its time mm-hmm. building something that could have turned into something awesome, right? Right. So you're finally seeing as a major villain, um, but then he's introduced these two other characters: the villain's daughter named Seaweed. It's a badass name. <laughs> and some dude named Apollo who's just hanging out, who just, like, works there, maybe? maybe uh, uh, like... She is, like, either engaged or married to him. Oh, is she? And he paid him to marry her because she was so ugly before. But he was able oh, to serious? change her. I missed that part. He was able to change her the way she looked. Does she have one of those new bodies? They don't explain. They don't say mm. she does. But I, but he had to, like, convince this Apollo guy to, like, marry her with money. Basically. So, but the whole time, he's just jealous, right? Yeah. Like, he's jealous shows of up, Yeah, a blank. Buddy Blank, the biggest loser in the world. Yeah. He's jealous of. Right? Yes, exactly. Um, but And she's banging, right? Right. Seaweed is banging. Yeah. Apollo, he's kind of like a... Surfer dude? Yeah, maybe he's like a surfer dude. I see him more as like a diva kind of guy. Like, But he gets jealous of Buddy Blank... Anyway, I just love this. Like, you're finally seeing um, the villain's master plan, um, and it's taking its time. They're setting up the characters. They're setting up the like love triangle basically between Buddy Blank, Apollo, and Seaweed. And I just love that. Like, um, it's not so hurried as what it, some of his other ones seem like, right? And uh, uh, let's see. So. Uh, it's been I, I kind of lost uh, what was happening, but oh, so yeah, so uh, Doctor Scuba is actually basically just about to destroy Brother Eye, right? And 
all these rocks gathered around it. And it, it you would think that if Kirby was going to go on with this, something would happen and they would be able to um, resolve the issue. I don't know if you saw in the intro, but this last panel mm-hmm. was actually redrawn. It was actually just put in here because when Kirby wrote this, he was planning on doing another issue. Okay. So this last panel um, was put in after Kirby left DC, uh, but before this was printed. And, oh, gotcha. Uh, so you see, like, Brother Eye is getting covered with rocks, right? And uh, there's, uh, it seems like he's going to die. Brother Eye is going to die. The rocks are on fire. They cool. They harden. And it's just like, they, they call it a helpless and silent in a prison of slag. So that's where the cliffhanger should have been. Right. Right? Uh, but then the last panel they say, but below, the effort has caused an overload in Dr. Scuba's equipment. The island explodes in a gigantic fireball. And his very, and his very success brings destruction to the evil Scuba. Is this the end? Question mark. So, like, in this one panel, they had to kill off Dr. Scuba and make it so the OMAC wins, right? Yeah. Because they wanted to wrap the whole story up. But you don't see any of that. They don't no. illustrate any of that. Yeah, they don't. They just basically say, oh, Dr. Scuba died, in case you guys were But wondering. so did OMAC, and so did Seaweed, and so did Apollo. Yeah. So, and Brother Eye. And uh, Brother Eye. Well, yeah. So, but theoretically, the next issue would have been somehow OMAC saves Brother Eye from being in this prison right. of rock, right? But, uh... Yeah, dude, so it was like, the, uh, in my opinion, um, if I were to critique the story at all, it was a little bit schizophrenic. There was always just like something new happening, some new villain, some new character getting introduced, and then disappearing, never coming back. Mm-hmm. And it felt like he was finally hitting a stride where he was like building something big, something meaningful. You were getting these new characters. Seaweed would have probably been a character that would have crossed, you know, been in a few issues maybe a love interest with buddy blank right? right but no dude it just like left you hanging because kirby went back to marvel because dc was he's realizing dc was just as big a dicks as marvel ever was yep and so and then marvel said they wanted him back the thing is is dc didn't really appreciate kirby right they, they didn't appreciate what they had yeah exactly they wanted to bring him over but the reason they wanted to bring him over is because they wanted a new captain, or they wanted another Captain America, they wanted another Fantastic Four, they wanted all the stuff that he did with Stanley, right? Right. But he wasn't with Stanley, and he was doing a different sort of thing. Some people might say it wasn't as good. I say it was far better, far superior. But it wasn't selling, and DC was kind of just like over him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he went back to Marvel, where uh, Marvel this time. Gave him full um, control of uh, of the books that he was doing. He went back to Captain America, which he hadn't done. He helped create, but hadn't done for years. And then now he got to write Captain America and draw it and do everything. He was doing Black Panther and stuff. So, yeah, that one seemed like a good deal for him. But uh turned out to not even be that great at all. Kind of got a shot right. so all together. Thank you, Kirby, and your wonderful story of Omek. Let's sing the Kirby song. I don't know it. Jack Kirby <laughs> will bend you over. <laughs> okay, well, um, that has been uh, Cold Storage. 
Thanks for listening, and hope to hear for, or you can hope to hear from us soon. We hope to hear from ourselves as well. Yes. See you next time. In the funny pages. See you in the funny papers. Excelsior! <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs>